Welcome to the Week Den Update, your weekly dose of everything Grizzlies, presented by the Grizz Den Podcast and the Fans First Sports Network. I'm your host, Will Walker, and I'm joined every week by John Kraft. How's it going, John? It's going well. Um, I w- wish we'd pulled off uh, the game today, but, um, you know, eight and uh, six in the month of January, pretty good uh, for like having half your team. So I'll take it. Due to some scheduling and logistics, we did not have a week to an update last week, which means we have more to discuss this week about the last two weeks. We did, however, have a Q2 report in your feed, which I hope you're able to listen to. It was a great conversation uh, with, with, with the full crew. And we unpacked where we are this season, where we're headed, and it acted sort of as a semi-preview to the trade deadline, which is here. It's upcoming in less than two weeks, and our plan is to have a lot more dedicated to the trade deadline in this feed. But for the meantime, we've got a weekend update here to get to you. And with that, I'll start with our stats. The Grizzlies are 18 and 28. Four and three since the last week to update. They're 13th in the West, which they've been for a long time now. 24th in the NBA. Actually moved up one spot past the Raptors there. Uh, five and a half games back from the 10 seed, which is the same as we were a couple weeks ago. 29th in offense still. And 11th in defense went up one spot there. 25th in net rating with a minus 5.3. We start every Weekend update with our who's up and our who's down. John, I'll start this week and then I'll pass it to you for your who's up and who's down. My who's up is the future of downtown Memphis. Now, nothing has been finalized. There's still a lot of work to do uh, for the city to gather the funding it needs to renovate FedEx Forum. But Sam Hardiman with the Daily Memphian reported on an article that published earlier today, I believe. And essentially, it was confirmation that conversations have been happening behind the scenes, not only about the FedEx Forum renovation, but the Grizzlies' interest in partnering with the city to revitalize Beale Street and the surrounding area that is next to the arena, but then, of course, extends to the whole district downtown that they want to essentially create more of an entertainment district and, and just try to clean things up. I think that, you know, this is a podcast dedicated to the Grizzlies, but there are times when these conversations overlap with what's going on in the city. And in this instance, it's just something that I want to, uh, I just want to commend the Grizzlies for staying committed to Memphis as it seems they haven't, they haven't made any public comment, but uh, from this reporting, it does seem as though they want to collaborate and work together to make downtown just um, more revitalized, like I said. And so that was a who's up for me amidst a season that's, you know, we're, we're now moving to the development phase of this grizzly season, but moving forward, we expect to be good and we expect to be good for a long time. And we hope that we have an arena that also um, meets those standards in conjunction with a downtown Memphis that uh, that needs some work right now, but are we're, we're part of a bigger organization now that's hopefully going to do their part and hopefully private investment you know follows that that uh, big step by the Grizzlies. So here's to a bright future. Yeah, I think that matches with what we talked about earlier, where um, like when we were 
all upset about the city money and it became Grizzlies versus Memphis and all this thing. And I think the two of us kept <laughs> reiterating that one, uh, it's not just about uh, sports teams. It's actually the area around the stadiums, you know, and so downtown Memphis is actually way more important, uh, you know, in my opinion, to re- kind of revitalizing city. Um, you know, we'd had kind of downtown revitalization, I think. And then I think COVID has kind of, you know, uh, put us in a little where we, it feels like we've taken a step back a little bit. We've kind of struggled to kind of come back from COVID a little bit. But um, uh, but I think, you know, so not only revitalizing downtown, but obviously, you know, University of Memphis plays basketball games in FedEx Forum as well. So I think, you know, uh, a renovated FedEx Forum, uh, a uh, Grizzlies franchise and FedEx Forum working with the city of Memphis to help downtown. I mean, it's it's, it's a win-win for everybody. So it was it was good to read that this morning. Uh, my who's up is Jaron Jackson as high usage isolation scorer, and I say that because um, you know we've we threw out a couple stats, but one he's one of the top people getting the free throw line. He has one of the top efficiencies in sort of one on one post uh, play, and just you know basically uh, anytime he you know basically scores off unassisted, so he's creating it himself. And, uh, you know, just even today, Basketball Index was tweeting out that the top 10 centers in self-created shot making, number one, Nick, uh Jokic, not surprising. Uh, number three, Joel Embiid. And then number two, in between the two of them, is Jaron Jackson Jr. And and part of that was even watching him today. Uh, Kobe will, you know, we have to watch the, we have to watch the Grizzlies broadcast, but I had uh, some buddies and just l- texting with people who were listening to the commentators, uh, the, the other commentators. And, and it was interesting because the Pacers commentators were talking about, we need to guard Jaron like we guard Giannis as he was uh, bringing the ball because he was bringing the ball up the court. They were talking about building a wall against Jaron uh, because obviously the Pacers, you know, being in uh, Milwaukee's division, I believe, they play them a lot. And, and it was very interesting to me. And that it kind of hit me that when we see Jaron bringing the ball up, it is very, very similar uh, to when Jenkins was uh, under coach Bud and the way the Bucks play with Giannis with him bringing the ball up. And I just thought that was very interesting. Um, it's, it's, I think it's an interesting thing to think about going forward, but I just think a continued excitement for the development of Jaron Jackson Jr. I think about two years ago in the Warriors series when we lost jaw, how Jaron was just unable to create his own shots, especially in some some really critical moments in Game Five and Game Six down the stretch, and I just I just think about that. It's just very interesting. To think about possibly who we see as our third option on offense, uh, being able to become this sort of an isolation score. I just think it makes it very interesting. It'll be exciting uh, with kind of the bench lineups and different things we can put out there uh, when Jaws maybe not on the floor to have Jaron create things. So I just thought that's very interesting, but I think that's a, a good what's up for the last couple of weeks, obviously as Jaron is like uh, our only sort of legitimate star on our team now. So anyway, what's your, who's down my, so, so I, you know, I thought about just, uh, I, I, I wanted to say Zaire, but I just think maybe we should just, this is the Zaire who's down. Um, like basically just desire like, memorial who's down desire memorial who's down so my my honestly my who's down is Grizz Twitter and we may be able to talk about this more uh, as we look talk about the games and things uh, but I'm frustrated with uh, 
how you know obviously you're you know people are like john you're shocked that twitter would be negative um or x or whatever it's called now but uh you know the grizzlies have very few of the rotation players we're coming off a three-game win streak and there's just still all this anti taylor jenkins um you know uh frustration and, and hatred out there for coach jenkins and i know that we even had our own good conversations about it and i think you know i'm not saying that he's the best coach in the world or that you know, maybe that we might need to try to upgrade or change coaches if we want to win a title in the future. But I don't think anybody should be complaining about the fact uh, that we're over 500 in the month of January, that we're out competing teams, that we're out scheming teams um, and winning games. We probably shouldn't be winning if you just look at the rosters. And so I just think, you know, in some ways it's like we're get, we're almost spoiled. Honestly, we're, we're coming off a three game win streak and people are frustrated with some lineup stuff. And we can talk about maybe why he's doing the things he's doing. But uh, but I just thought, you know, come on, let's let's have some positivity. I think I just think uh, for me, we should celebrate everybody in the Grizzlies organization because we just have been decimated. This has been the, a cursed season. And yet uh, I'm still actually excited about watching almost all of the games. Uh, we've been competitive even in in the games. Uh, and we'll talk about them that that we kind of lost by a lot of points like T-Wolves or the Bulls um, or even today. Uh, we were competitive, you know, for a large part of those games. And, and maybe even having a lead in the th- in the second half. And I just anyway, I just think we need to people need to, you know, uh, stop getting so upset uh, about because I think we are playing really well for, for where we are. So my who's down, I had a couple and it's really ironic paired with your who's up. But there as as much as I feel like Jaron has had his moments in the last six, seven games since, you know, MLK Day which he obviously had a great one then. But I do feel like there is a level of him being thrust into the first option is revealing to me that even if he does have the numbers, it doesn't look like his natural position, and I don't think it's ever going to be again, barring another crazy uh, setback season like this one. I did note that he is, since MLK Day, 11 for 44 uh, from three-point range, which is 25%. And that was going to be my who's down. But then you pulled out a bunch more numbers that showed me, you know what, like, <laughs> it's fine if he's not going to shoot great from three because it seems as if he's doing everything else. So with that said, I'm going to move to my second who's down, which is the Luke Kennard injury status. He was mm-hmm. out now two of the last three games for different lower leg injuries. One was, I think, like a right quad. The other one was a left knee soreness. And I don't know if this is my antenna is a little up here because I'm not sure with the trade deadline approaching, are they being just extra cautious with him as he is kind of the one guy that we've pinpointed as a swing trade piece potentially. I don't, I personally, um, as we thought more about it would rather, I think my best case scenario with Luke Kennard is we decline his team option for next year and re-sign him to a three-year deal that hopefully could get under $10 million per year in annual value. Three three for 27 is like the, the ideal here for, for me when it comes to Kennard, but I do get frustrated because he's played so well in a playmaker role, and obviously he's just money from three whenever he has a little bit of space. And we saw that especially against the jazz or excuse me, not the jazz, the magic. And I just enjoy watching him play. And you saw us start 
David Roddy at the two. And so we're just running out of guards. Scotty Pippen has been uh, a really fun story here. He could have, he was a candidate for my who's up as well. Uh, but overall, I just wish that I don't know if there's gamesmanship going on with the Grizzlies or if Luke Kennard is this injury prone, but we just uh, need to keep an eye on that injury report for him moving forward and see if there's any consistency there or if it continues to be these, you know, seems to be these lower, lower leg, just pick a spot, you know, and just call that what it is to get him on the injury report and out of the game because it's weird. A few day, games ago, he was out and then the next he game he wasn't even questionable he was just he was just all the way active and then he's back to out again and so uh, i'm not sure what's going on but that's my who's down let's just keep an eye on that yeah i think it'll be interesting to see if he plays in the king's game um uh like that it, it would make me feel more like it's a lingering thing that just giving him an extra day on a back-to-back but yeah i do think i mean and i think and, I, and i've seen some people bring that up and and i think there is this sense of because I, I'm, I'm with you at this point uh, I just think he would be a great role player guy off the bench to come and, and really, especially against certain matchups, be able to come in and, uh, and, you know, and I think with our full hot roster, he's going to get a lot of open looks, but I do start, you know, you start to worry. I mean, that is, that has always been a concern. He, he is somebody who is injury prone. He was not able to finish the playoffs last year for us. And, uh, so that is something I think to consider. Uh, and if we do end up keeping him and not trading him, then I think we do need to look at the rest of the season. Is he durable? Like, because, you know, it just seems like uh, once he starts playing more than about 20 minutes a game, he uh, he is very injury prone. And I think that is something to kind of monitor for sure. And then I also say it's, you know, I, I, I agree. I trust me, no one, uh, you know, of course the, there's people who think I love Jaron too much. I'm not saying that Jaron is Giannis <laughs> and I'm not. And, and I do think that he is best served being able to be our defensive anchor and then a, a third option offense. I think what, for me, it's just a fun wrinkle to look, think about like some of the lineups we're putting out there now, uh, thinking about those being bench lineups. I mean, as crazy as it sounds as good as, Vince Williams has looked and maybe even Conchar and other people like thinking about having these kind of lineups we can throw in. So we don't have these terrible, weird second quarters we had to begin the year and other things like that. And so I just think it's interesting. It's, it's like an interesting little wrinkle we have that, that hopefully will be something we can pull out um, from time to time. But I don't think it's a, uh, you know, playoff formula it, as the number one option for sure. So since we last spoke on the weekend update, there were some games that happened. And I want to go through what those games were. And then I want to ask you what you took away from them as a whole. And then maybe we can go through some of the the notes that we took along the way. Lost to the Timberwolves, uh, 9 p.m. game on, on TNT. Wasn't a very fun one to stay up for. It was close until they went on a run towards the end. The Bulls game to me was the, you know, burn the tape type game. Just, just was, we're, we were flat. I mean, we... We got close there in the third quarter, and then the Bulls went on like a 15-no run, and and at that point it was over. And then we started a little three-game win streak here. So we went to the to Toronto and beat the Raptors on their home floor. Uh, went to the to, to Miami with only nine players active, held them to 96 points, and ended up winning 105 to 96. And then came back home against the Orlando Magic, who are a young team that's that's had some success this season in our. Uh, and are considered to be, you know, middle of the pack in the East, but still really strong. And one by one, uh, had to pull it out in clutch time. And then today, we're recording on Sunday night, 2.30 p.m. 
my prediction was that this is going to be the lowest watched Grizzlies game of the season by ratings uh, due to the NFL games going on. But we go to Indiana uh, the first night of a back-to-back and lose. Uh, we were up. It was kind of a yo-yo type performance. And in the end, just they made the plays they needed to make to get get the win, and we didn't. And so, John, as we look across these six games that occurred over the last two weeks, what's what's a takeaway that you had? I mean, number one takeaway, and obviously this is, we've been talking about this, but the number one takeaway is uh, Vince Williams is, is good, and he might be more than just a good rotation-level player. He might be an elite role player. Uh, which is huge because, I mean, we're talking like, uh, you know, a KCP type player, a Andre Iguodala later years uh, type player, like the kind of guy who, um, in fact, I mean, I I think Andre Iguodala is interesting because I think he's someone who, at least while we have smart, might not start for us, but might end up closing in a lot of lineups for us. Uh, But just how, how good he's been. Um, and, and honestly, in fact, I think the reason why we lost today's game against the Pacers, um, I mean, there, uh, besides the obvious, which is Zaire, which we can talk, that can be a takeaway too in a minute, but, uh, but him, you know, he missed two layups, uh, kind of just, over, you know, he was going hard. I mean, they weren't like just wide open, easy layups, like a choke, but it was, but they were layups in traffic that he missed that he's been making. Um, which is fine because he was eight of twelve. Like he should have, he could have been, he could have, he could have been ten of twelve um, to continue his extremely efficient scoring. And I just think he has been a revelation as far as like, uh, man, like Marcus Smart might need to, like he might need to come in playing really good because he might he might become a sixth man uh, with how good Vince Williams is playing. And, and I just think he's been a revelation. I think it's been exciting. Uh, you've seen. Uh, you've had all the analytic nerds talking about it, uh, but then you have, you know, a Bill Simmons, a KOC, our favorite, uh, and, and others pointing out, uh, you know, how big of a deal Vince Williams been for us. And he's just a huge part of our winning formula. I mean, I don't, you know, I, I do think we'd be in total full, like we're never, I don't think we'd ever be in tank mode as far as like purposely losing, but we would be in like, we're losing every game. Uh, without him in the stretch and yet we've been over 500 so I think he's the number one for me uh, takeaway has just and and I think even more I mean as ecstatic as we were when the four of us recorded about about his contract and how good it was I mean it looks even better now like a massive steal Uh, like I can't believe we're gonna have him I mean at, at this point we're definitely picking up that team option I feel like barring something crazy uh, because he's going to be worth more than that in in three years, I think. So all that said, I think that's been that's been the exciting. I mean, he has been the silver lining in in a, in a hard year, I think. So that's my number one. But I'll see what you have, and then I have some others too. Yeah, his versatility to me has just been on display. The fact that he can handle the ball in lineups that you know we've noted how we're so light on guards. I could have inserted. Derek Rose into the whole who's down injury thing. Like when are we going to get an update on his hamstring? That's been lingering for weeks at this point, but overall events being able to handle the ball, guarding the best player on the other team, having a great time doing it. I love the screenshots of him yes. smiling while guarding the best player on the other team. And also just putting the ball in the hoop, like scoring over. He has, he's had three different instances in the last two weeks where he's set a career high. 
in scoring. And it's on efficient, like the most efficiency we've seen by a player in a long time that isn't named Luke Kennard. Like, literally had a, over a hundred percent true shooting percentage, which is really yes. funny to me that like that's even possible. Uh, but it's this true shooting is like an analytic stat that you get more credit when you're making threes. And so there's a there is a possibility that it can go over a hundred and he did it in the heat game, uh, which was just hysterical. And the best part of it to me is he's not a guy that is going to uh, like on the court. He's a different guy than he is off it. And I mean that in the best way, which is he's kind of quiet. He's kind of shy. He's not going to ever want the spotlight. Um, If you ever heard an interview, he just, it's clear that he's not used to having this much credit put on him for something like this. He just likes to go out and hoop. But as soon as he steps on the floor, he is a dog and he will talk to the best players. We've seen him, you know, talk to like CJ McCollum and Luka Doncic, some, you know, Grizz enemies, if you will. And that's been just getting me pumped to watch him play and watch how much he loves it. And so I agree with you. You can't help but have that be your number one takeaway from this stretch. And to me, it makes it makes it exciting to watch this team. Obviously, there's some people out there, mostly online, that I feel like at this point are not celebrating Grizzlies wins because they think in their mind that losing is actually better. And if you want to get down to it, there's a very small chance we're going to catch anybody that we're passing right now in the standings. And I mentioned at the very top, we've been the same seed in the West for now two straight months. Like this is not going to change anytime soon, even if we win. And so why not celebrate developments that lead to actual victories because we're setting good habits and we're seeing a guy like Vince Williams, who you mentioned the contract that cannot be overstated. The fact that we signed him when we did took a risk by cutting a true center which we're seeing if if Jaron is out, Xavier Tillman's the guy, and then you have David Roddy having to come in. He played the two today, and he's playing center in other lineups, depending on who we have out. And that was a big, a big step to take before the trade deadline. We could have just kicked the can down the road and created a roster spot that way, but we were smart. We took advantage of it, and now Vince Williams is blowing up. And for good for him. Like this is just an unbelievable win for the season. The fact that we've identified Vince. GG is another takeaway, of course, just pouring in 18-point games like they're nothing. And so, anyway, Vince, though, just wanted to give double props to him. Yeah, I mean, I think, and and I even loved, like, even today, um, you know, after the two layups, uh, Brevin and Pete were talking about the fact that Marcus Smart and a bunch of guys, Jaw, were, like, all, because he was so upset. Like, he was distraught. You know, I mean, you you look around the rest of the league and you have teams, obviously, um, famously in beat and other people like taking nights off. Like you have some weird blowouts going on right now in the middle of the season. And here you have a guy miss a couple layups. They are they won three in a row. And he is like distraught to the point where people were having to, uh, you know, talk to him. He got he got a technical foul. He got a second delay of game because he was so upset that he missed a free throw uh, in the fourth quarter that he like walked outside of the uh, three-point line, which is a delay of game. Um, and so I just, you got to love the competitiveness. We give him a contract, and it's like he became even more competitive. Um, and so I, I really, it's it's been it's been fun. He's fun. I mean, he's worth, like, he's the kind of guy. I mean, Tony Allen was like this. Uh, he's the kind of guy that even we have people out. I mean, like, I'm excited about going to FedEx Forum tomorrow night 
uh, even though our team, you know, we don't get all, we don't have job, we don't have Bane, we don't have these, but I'm excited just to watch him play defense, be all over the place. He's that kind of player. He, it, it's really exciting that we have him and that we're going to have him for a while. A few other takeaways I had. The elite defensive performance that we had against the Raptors where Jaron had six steals in the first quarter and then John Conchar had five blocks over the course of the game. It was just, it was, it was so fun. That game was so, so unexpectedly fun. And we know that the Raptors are undergoing their own transition. Pascal Siakam had been traded since that we actually saw him today on his new team. Uh, so we played him against uh, when he was on the Pacers and didn't yeah. play him when he was on the Raptors. But overall, just that performance that night was really fun. It was one of those games that was not necessarily ever in doubt, which made it even more fun. And it's because of the performance we had in the first half, which we've struggled in first halves this season. But we didn't that game, and it was due to the defense, due to the uh, the fast break points generated as a result of steals and and blocks and things like that. Uh, the Heat game was just to me the highlight over the course of this. I mean, I went in just think like I have a few uh, Heat friends in my life, and was texting them throughout the night, and just like man, this is we got no shot. This would be super embarrassing for y'all. You know, they're always comparing Bam to Jaron there, you know, Bam is always their defensive player of the year and never gets the credit he deserves type thing. And I will say Jaron does tend to play not his best when it comes to, you know, AD and Bam and guys like other American centers who are, might have an argument for defensive player of the year, but Bam didn't have a great night either. So there, it, that wasn't the reason. And then the heat just not being able to score over a hundred and Zaire Williams who went 0 for 8, was still a positive in the plus minus. And that's where I told my friends, like, that is the biggest indictment of your team right now, that that can actually happen. And so that, oh. that to me, was like the highlight, the peak of this whole six-game stretch. And then it was almost like the Orlando win was icing on the cake, where we just got an all-around victory from guys, um, from, from Vince Williams down the roster, and it was just super fun to see that performance and see Jaron dominate a guy that we all like in Wendell Carter Jr. And they're hoping maybe we'll show up on the Grizzlies team. But it was it was a reminder that Jaron is he's got power in his game. It's not all finesse. Yeah. And and so anyway, those are just a few notes that I had down no, as highlights. The, the, the heat, the heat game was great. It was on, on the the heat culture, the famous heat culture. Court so good. As well, with all their mantras. Uh and uh, and we outheated them. I mean, it was amazing. We outcultured them with, uh, you know, we were making all the hustle plays. Uh, we were doing all. We were being more physical with them. I mean, I think that's honestly the part of what I liked about this stretch was, uh, I think the Heat loss early in the season and the Raptors loss early in the season uh, were two really down. I mean, th those were two really low moments because the Heat it was just they outphysicaled us. We looked so. Uh, we just looked bad in that earlier loss. So to come and just be the exact opposite was awesome. And the same thing with Toronto. Like when we got jaw back, that Toronto loss was one of probably the lowest moments of the season. And we, we obviously came back and won uh, three games in a row after that and had some of our best, best wins. Of course, then we started getting all the bad news about injuries. But, uh, and so I, I liked that. I like when we lose the teams early coming back and then beating them the next game and then, and kind of, you know, and, and honestly, going back to the Coach Jenkins thing, I mean, I think it does help to see, okay, we adjust, uh, we come with the right, with, you know, we come in ready to beat teams that have beat us before. I mean, that's what I'm 
always looking for uh, from our team. And so that those are really exciting to me. Um, and, and you mentioned Gigi Jackson earlier. I just want to go again. I want to give cre- uh, Ty credit. So I'm going to quote Ty here, but he was just talking about how, how quiet his 18 points were and just how a lot of our, un- just why I think we can be so uh, bullish on him at this point is that, uh, so many of our other young guys, whether, you know, especially Zaire, but then also Roddy, also LaRavia, um, you know, even when you look at a guy like John Conchar, who we love, you know, we're, we are a Conchar fan club podcast, but, uh, but how hard it is for them to generate points and just how Gigi didn't even feel like he got a lot of shots or was doing much in the game. And he, he scored 18 points. Like it is, it, you know, he, it's very exciting to think uh, of what he can become, um, just a natural score. And what I've really loved from him, especially is it, you can tell he's young, but, but each game it's, he's getting better at defense. He's getting better at figuring out how to get in front of the rim and use his size. He's, he rebounds. Um, you know, I've, I've just, you know, honestly, he draws like when a part of the quiet scoring as he draws fouls like even when he kind of gets himself in trouble he finds a way to get fouled too and so so that's been you know he's my second I mean Vince has been a revelation but Gigi's also uh, been somebody who's just very very exciting to me and something uh, that I that I really like uh, the opposite of exciting I know I, I feel like maybe we're just beating a dead horse so I don't know but I think we just have to talk about it I mean uh, Zaire, you know, did have an O and eight, but a positive plus minus, uh, but it was, it was a terrible game. I mean, in fact, uh, one of the, my favorite moments of the heat game was, uh, at one point, um, there's like three or four, just really embarrassing. Zaire has not been able to finish at all in this stretch. It's been very, very, uh, upsetting, but, uh, but basically, uh, Pete says, man, uh, Zaire has just had a really, really frustrating and he like paused for a minute for drunk. Like, I guess, I don't know if it was a dramatic pause or if he was then like seeing something going on in the game and, and before he could say night, <laughs> Brevin Knight just blurted out season <laughs> and, and then quickly, uh, he said season and then, uh, Pan- Pranica said, yeah, frustrating night, frustrating night. Like he totally like Brevin said, season and the Pete came in and tried to make it lesser. Uh, <laughs> I overwowed it because I thought it was so funny, but, but you know, I mean, it's just, uh, I hate it because, you know, we, that magic game, uh, he played well, he still had a lot of bad plays. I mean, even when he plays well, he does things. And I think it's often hard, but, but when he's in the game, I mean, a lot of our defensive breakdowns, like today against the Pacers twice, he came in the game, um, you know, in that end of that third quarter, which honestly, it, we can talk about end of clutch stuff and those two missed layups by Vince, but there was a 10-0 run that happened in the third quarter uh, that really, really hurt us, and it was a rough lineup that was out there. But twice, Zaire just, we were supposed to switch, he didn't switch, and a guy got a wide open three. It was just stuff like that, and it's it's really hard because I actually think he's not as bad as he's been playing recently, but I do think that the emergence of Vince the emergence of Gigi, um, you know, him honestly us barely having any players and him not even starting. Uh, like, I, I think it's dawning on him uh, that this is just – the Grizzlies are probably not a part of his future. I mean, at least I'm – I mean, honestly, I'd say it, but I hope he's not a part of our future. I hope that we can find a way to get him off this roster at the trade deadline or at least through a trade in the summer. I don't want to just, you know, just wave him. <laughs> But I mean, it's getting, um, it, it's just getting really bad and I hate it because 
at this point, I just don't know if there are any teams that might think they can um, sort of resurrect his career in some way. Uh, it just looks bad. And I, I don't know. I don't know what you think. I don't know if there's some team that could trick themselves into thinking, well, you know, if we give him wide open threes and lobs, maybe he, he's he's decent at that. And he had a positive plus minus with jaw. So maybe his bad play is just not having a superstar. I don't know. Um, but but it does. I am starting to fear that we're going to have to give up some asset to get get him off of the books. But I just like to me, it would be very it would be tragic, honestly, if we give up uh, guys like Conchar. Um, who I think just plug and play. He does a lot of little things for us. He's not in the rotation, but he helps during the regular season. Like if we got rid of him um, instead of Zaire, but it might be the case because I just think there, there's probably more teams that want Conchar at this point than Zaire. I don't know. I don't hate to say it. He needs to be off this team. I would call the magic. I would have called them right when the buzzer sounded after the other night and said, how about this guy who just cooked y'all? And then if I'm the magic, I'm calling back and I'm saying um, can we look at any other game this season maybe and and I think I would I would ask for a little bit in return um, to get off that contract but overall it's been a disaster I mean he has had injuries that has been those have been a real part of his story I don't think that they've been enough to completely absolve where he is right now. I mean, I think to me, what's even more uh, damning, honestly, is the way that the team reacted to his performance against the Magic, where, yeah, he had a pretty good game overall. He hit shots. He had a couple of key, you know, he had one drive that looked good, maybe a couple of uh, rebounds here and there, uh, hustle plays. And we're acting like it is the, uh, just a 50-point performance by Ja with the way that the team crowds him and is freaking out. And I think that that standard being lowered to the point where we're celebrating it the way we are, and when I say we, I mean the team, is celebrating it the way that they are, is I think its own evidence that things are gone for him. Like there's no, there's nothing he can do at this point to convince me that he deserves to stay on this team. And I think that you've seen, if you follow me on Twitter, you've seen that activity pick up. I've just, I can't help myself then to just tweet out, uh, tweet out what I think about him because it's just gotten to a point where we're giving minutes to a guy that's actively hurting the team nine times out of 10 that he's on the floor. And it's yeah, sure. The, the tools are there. I don't know where he is mentally. I, I can't, you know, I'm not going to say that it's a, a really easy spot that he's in, especially if he spends any time online because he gets absolutely cooked. And so I get the team supporting him in that respect uh, because there's just gonna, they're going to be more loyal, and I respect it. Overall, though, there is nothing in me that believes he should be on this team longer than February 8th. And if he is, it better be for a pretty good reason. And if no. he is still, then I don't believe he should get any more minutes, barring a night like we had the other night with the Heat when we only had nine active players. And when you're seeing a guy like, let's use another example, Scotty Pippen, who, by the way, was in the closing lineup against the Heat, played 24 minutes, 
This is a guy who has been on this team for five minutes, it feels like. He was part he's a part of my favorite closing lineup, maybe of the year, which was Jaron at the five, Scotty Pippen at the one, and then Gigi, Vince, and Conchar on the wings. Like how fun was that closing lineup? It's because they can contribute in so many different ways and can yeah. do so many they different can, things they and have score on them. Yes, and you can't score on them. It's the skill sets are there. And I think it's just glaringly obvious with Zaire. I don't know of any any support right now that he has. I don't know. I haven't talked to a believer in Zaire since last year. And it's it, honestly since the preseason. And then once we saw a few games into the regular season, what, what transpired, and it's kind of like, oh, so he hasn't figured it out. And so... That's where we stand. I, th- I feel like it is. We are a broken record. I feel like a broken record at this point, but my position has not changed after one 17-point performance. And, and by the way, for all the people that are upset, because not only did you already comment that the uh, you know that we have not actually moved despite all the winning, we're still pretty much in the same lottery ball spot. Look at what we just said. <laughs> well, the closing lineup we liked was... Guess what all those guys, you know, other than Jaron, obviously, but these guys were late picks. They're two ways. They're G League guys, um, you know, whereas our first our first round picks are not um, are, are on the bench uh, mostly. And so I just say that to say um, and I think honestly, I just think the NBA is becoming more and more this way, too. It's not just us. But I, you know, obviously I did it in my rants a couple weeks ago on the tanking thing that I think that that the getting a pick here or there, moving up a couple spots or back a couple spots, barring right before the draft and some kind of trade move is just, you know, it's it's very overrated as far as like hurting your culture and just like not being a competitive team. I think that that messes with people. I want us being super competitive then. And with that also, with going back to the Jenkins thing, I mean, I do. I, I, I want to give Jenkins credit. I mean, I do think, honestly, I think a lot of the anti-Jenkins sentiment on Twitter is really all about the fact that he plays Zaire. 100%. And I think, and, and I think one of the things people have to realize, we're only dressing nine or ten guys. Like, it's, we kind of have to play him some. And what you look and you see, like, today, he was terrible. And he didn't play the entire fourth quarter. He barely played in the second half. And so Jenkins is responding to that. He is starting to do that. I, you know, I do think earlier in the year we played him more because I think the team wanted, as I said, wanted Z to happen. They wanted to make Z happen. Um, he didn't happen. I think they are trying to get him enough reps so that teams might be enticed by him. I think he reemerged when Jaw came back um, because, again, we were trying to get him to look good, to trade him. We were trying to see if he could work with Jaw. Like, I think the team really wants it to work. It just doesn't work. And, and I think now we are getting into a place where like, he might just be a throw in contract with another trade we make. Unfortunately, we don't have a lot of second round picks, but honestly, I mean, I'm at a point where if we did have more second round picks, I mean, giving a team a second round pick just to take them off our books. I mean, I, I think that's worth it at this point. Like I'd rather just get other young guys, especially if LaRavia gets like healthy. Like I don't, I, I, I'm not, I don't have a lot of faith in LaRavia, but I, He's only played a few, you know, 50 games for us compared to Zaire. I'd love to see him get those minutes to see if maybe he is somebody who could be something, um, you know, and, and, and I talk about Roddy. I mean, I think we're hard on Roddy. He's had a very, very poor shooting um, year compared to last year. His handle for some reason has gotten weird. He just, he's just has a lot of dribble turnovers, which are very, very frustrating. But at the end of the day, he makes some winning plays. He plays really hard defense. I think I thought he played Siakam pretty well today. 
Uh, I thought he did some good stuff defensively, especially in the first half. And so he's still one of those guys that like, okay, it's worth it, at least on his salary right now, to keep him on the roster if we can't, you know, if he doesn't go in a trade or stuff like that. Um, you know, he's he doesn't feel like he actively hurts the team, uh, even if he doesn't help that much sometimes. But but I just think Zaire's kind of the glowing thing. And and I think if we got rid of Zaire, all of a sudden people would be a lot less frustrated with Jenkins and his lineups. Um, but you know, it's just when you only have nine guys like against the Heat, I mean he's gonna play. You, you can't you can't play everybody. Um and I do think he's done a good job. I mean, today <laughs> Zaire, he took Zaire out with 7.6 le- seconds left in the quarter and put Conchar in because of how bad he was uh, to end the third quarter. He took him out with 7.6 seconds left. That's how frustrated Jenkins was with him. And so I do think, you know, I mean, for people getting frustrated, I do think he is, Jenkins is reacting to the play on the court. He just, like, we don't have anybody else to put in. So if I'm the GM of the Grizzlies, what I'm doing is, of course, scouring the market for any significant upgrade to our team. But if that doesn't happen, which I don't expect it to, I would be sending out Xavier Tillman in exchange for a second-round pick. I would be attaching that same second-round pick to to send Zaire to another team. And then I would reward Jacob Gilliard for his service, sign him to the roster with a deal that doesn't get us you know, close to the tax. But my guess is Gilliard, this is... These are going to be his final Maybe days. Like a team option for next year. Sure, team option for next year, and then we still yeah. have one more roster spot to fill. Yes, and that's where I take care of Gigi Jackson yeah. because he is a going to be expiring and is going to be a restricted free agent. If I'm Zach Kleiman, like I said, I'm sending out Tillman and Zaire. I'm signing Gilliard to a fake contract, and I'm signing Gigi Jackson to as real of a contract as I can agree to. And those are my moves, and, yeah, and then we're getting, and then we're, we're giving the best whoever our number one big man prospect in the G League. We're giving him Gilliard's two two way hundred percent to and then then he can play Tillman's minutes that we need. right. So because we're going to need more bodies, we're going to yeah. need more bodies. We're going to need another five, and that's what I'm doing. So, um, yeah. any final Honestly, notes? That, that's an, to me that is an A plus trade. If if we do anything like that, that's an A plus. Uh, <laughs> trade deadline for me um, because I, th- I think the biggest thing like you know obviously we can pull off some crazy thing where we get like a window card gene or something where I'd be super excited but uh, but for me the biggest thing is we need Gigi Jackson signed before the offseason we need him on the main roster and hopefully to a pretty team-friendly contract uh, that's similar to maybe a you know a, a decent rookie contract type thing yep um, all right uh, well, go ahead one other thing I just want to throw out there um just quickly was just Tillman I, because I want to get your opinion. I, it's been interesting, you know. Tillman has had some great games where he's played really good defense, makes some winning plays. He still, you know, he hustles in a little way. I guess he's like Roddy in that way. Um, but it's been it's been weird after seeing him do really well in the playoffs um, and in crunch, you know, crunch time end of seasons the last couple years, actually last three years, uh, been good in those situations. Uh, to him, just having really bad games. I think like today he was pretty awful. Um, miss just lots of layups that he should hit. Um, it's just an interesting, uh, and yet there's these games he has honestly, really like the national games on TNT. Like, it's kind of like the better teams we play. He, he plays unbelievably defensively and he does these sort of things. And so it's been just an interesting 
uh, feeling him out because he's kind of, he was sort of my who's down, you know, nominee, but I, I you know, looking he, he within that, like he actually played really well against the T wolves. He had some really good games, but then he just has some huge stinkers. Uh, and so it's really interesting for me. And, and I'm hoping that maybe those good games and, and the fact that they're on national TV is why a team like the Celtics or some other teams that I think could really use Tillman uh, might give us some second round picks for him. But I didn't know what you thought about that. Yeah, it's just the problem right now is his weaknesses are exacerbated based on what we need and what he can't provide, which is which is just simple shot making. It, it's not. I mean, the three point shot he's he's got he's averaging his most amount of attempts, which is one point six per game. He's shooting twenty three percent, which is terrible. He's only shooting forty percent, uh, just field goal percentage, which is the lowest of his career. And that's a problem when you play down low like he does because you need guys like that to shoot above 50, honestly, if you're going to be a center or a power forward that plays where he plays. And I think that that combination has just sort of betrayed the trust that I have in Tillman. He does so many little things, but if he can't finish easy buckets... And he's a terrible free throw shooter. And he's a terrible free throw shooter. That's the problem, too. I mean, he's literally 40 percent from the line which i don't think was the case like two years ago it's been so weird no he was six he was never like he's never like an 85 percent free throw shooter but he was not below 50 percent like he is this year he was 64 65 55 and down to 40 and all averaging about the same free throw attempts per game and so that to me has been the biggest problem is just the the field goal percentage overall and he's never been strong a strong finisher but he'll get to the right place and that's his biggest strength is just knowing where to go and making some different plays, uh, you know, forcing turnovers, getting key rebounds, being able to guard the best, uh, you know, paint player on the other team. And so anyway, that's that's where I am with Tillman. It's just kind of at the point where I think there's a reason we didn't get him a contract this past offseason and the writing's on the wall for him. I think he'll have an opportunity with another team that will want his rights going into the offseason because he's not going to be an expensive player at all, and he will be serviceable. I don't think he's going to be like out of the league in a couple of years. I think he'll be on a con- on a on a good contract, a team friendly contract with the team that I don't know. I think maybe someone like the Clippers could use him a whole lot as a backup five or someone like that who's looking to make a playoff run and just needs another body that knows what they're doing. And so I I just think that. He's been great um, as far as just a teammate, and he's been fun to watch at times and has had some big plays, but I think his time with the Grizzlies just come to an end, and it's, it's because of the simple facts that I just laid out. No, no, true. And I think, you know, I don't think he'll be out of the league because I think if, if it's really that low, I mean, if he's not able to do better than like a veteran minimum, I actually think the Grizzlies will probably look to in the next year or two just because he's Jaron's best friend and other things. Like, I just think I could see us bringing him back on a minimum contract to be, you know, our 11th through 15th guy like he has been sort of. Um, so he's definitely, I don't think he's going to be out of the league for sure. I think, I mean, I didn't think he could be, he could play some really good, meaningful playoff minutes this year, I think, for for a team. For sure. Agreed. The need to know for this week, we have the Kings uh, tomorrow night, Monday, 7 p.m. Tonight, if you're listening to this on Monday morning, uh, the Cavs Thursday. This was originally going to be a late night TNT game. They bumped it back up to, to 7 p.m. Uh, so it, I'm assuming that means it's not going to be on any uh, national programming. Warriors Friday night at home, 7 p.m. That'll be a fun game. The return, they're going to be looking for their revenge. And then we play at the Celtics 
on Sunday at 5 p.m. I'm a, I have a mea culpa. I got my dates wrong for the Super Bowl. Uh, yeah, because I forgot about the gap week, and so this is not Super Bowl Sunday. We played them on Super Bowl Sunday last year, but yeah. this year it's yeah. just on a just on a random Sunday. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but it's going to be a really fun game to watch because uh, Marcus Smart will be making his not return on the floor uh, with the Celtics, but he will be making his return to that home arena. And so, anyway, what do you think overall about the games? upcoming we we finally are at home for a little stretch here for a few games and then um with the back two sets of back-to-backs that we're playing as well yeah i mean i think uh it's one of those interesting i mean this is going to be like i mean it's a weird i I definitely feel like i mean i don't think any of us expect to make the play-in at this point but this is i think a pretty big week for us we've actually maintained the 60 percent winning um, since jaw returned that we said we need to, to be 41 and 41, we've actually maintained that. Although, you know, so in this five game stretch, you know, it'd be continuing to go like three and two, we were, we're already and one, uh, losing to the Pacers. Uh, but, but with that said, you know, I think the Kings are a team. They're good. If we come with the, the correct sort of competitive fire, I think we've come back with these last few games. If we get the home crowd, I do think it's winnable. They don't play any defense. I think it's going to be, it's actually sort of a, I think a benefit that we played the Pacers uh, right before them because it's a very similar, uh, you know, a lot of threes up and down, not much defense. So hopefully in that sense, we kind of got a trial with that. We played awesome defense against the Pacers for three of the four quarters. Um, and just we had let them have that one forty-one point quarter in the third that killed us. And so hopefully we can come and we got to have a home crowd behind us. Hopefully Luke Kennard's playing, uh, which will be a big help as well. But they're a good team. I mean, they're they're a playoff team. So that'll be and the same thing with the Cavs. They've actually you know they're missing two of their guys, but they've been surprisingly good. Uh, you know, thoughts of Ewing theory everywhere, um, except maybe two Ewing theory with both Mobley and Garland being out, and yet the Cavs seem to continue to win uh, that might just be say something about the weakness of the East. I don't know, Uh, but they're a team that's, that's very beatable, especially on our home floor. Uh, But we, you know, but again, we could lose it. It's a winnable game. I think those two are winnable. And I, obviously we just beat the Warriors. I will say that I, I do think um, they have a, you know, Draymond's back now. Uh, They had an epic, uh, an epic two OT loss to the Lakers in the, in the game. I didn't know who to cheer for. I just kind of cheered against but uh, but it will be interesting to see with the Warriors if they uh, – like I have a feeling they're going to bring a little more energy than they brought to the MLK game because I don't think they want to lose to us again. So I think that that's kind of a tough one for me, but I think we can beat them. I mean, I don't think they're very good. They basically are only a couple games ahead of us. Uh, but I definitely think they're going to come out with more energy than they did in MLK, so we're going to have to match that. Uh, and then obviously I, I would be shocked. Boston's not been playing amazing. If we have any competitiveness with Boston, I think it's going to be because they it's a Sunday afternoon and they just are kind of going through the motions and maybe the emotions of Marcus Smart. I don't know. Uh, but I'm chalking that one up as a, probably a pretty big L. So so really, I think we need to try to take care of business and win two of the three home games before we go to Boston. I think if we can go two and one, I think it does, you know, again, our very, very, very slim margins of kind of treading water, maybe getting a little close to that 10 seed and then maybe being able to get like Bain and smart and others back, uh, to kind of just make it fun in March. So we'll see. But, um, but I think that's sort of the big thing for me to look at. I mean, uh, it was interesting. I know I'm, I'm talking a lot about what's next, but, uh, I think it was interesting just, uh, today you know, people putting up, you know, that, that the two or three teams ahead of us, they have, they have pretty hard schedules left. 
Um, the Warriors are really struggling, um, you know, but the Rockets and the Jazz are have really tough schedules. The Lakers have a tough schedule. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I don't think those teams are going to run away from us, but I think we have to start winning some games uh, to stick with them and maybe even, you know, going on a little another little three game win streak or something like that. So we'll see. Um, so I think the next three games are winnable, but they're very losable, too. So kind of honestly, the same as last week. Uh, but these teams are probably slightly better than the games we the teams we played last week is what I would say. So I could see us looking up next Sunday after the Celtics game and we had an 0 and 4 week with yep. a couple of close losses that were competitive. The problem for me if I were to predict what uh, that would look like is the fact that they are two sets of back-to-backs and the Warriors coming on the second night of the back-to-back. Back, back and me wishing that that was the Thursday night instead of the Friday night because yep. I do think that we we have a chance, obviously, against a team like the Cavs. The problem is they're just hot right now. Donovan Mitchell's not going to hate us as he normally did with Dylan Brooks on the other side because Dylan's not going to be there. But he's going to have to deal with Vince Williams. And I have a feeling he's not going to like Vince Williams very much either. No. And so I think to me, if I'm if I'm ranking what I want to happen, it is, of course, to beat the Warriors over and anybody. Secondly, I would love to beat the Cavs because then that, to me at least, gives you some momentum going into a really tough weekend. And then the third would be to... I mean, of course, I would like to beat the Celtics, but that, to me, is like a complete schedule loss. But the Kings game tomorrow night is just going to be I think an important one for for morale like you said I hope that Luke does end up playing they they are also beatable not a great defense if you can somehow catch them on a night when uh, one of you know Keegan Murray or Harrison Barnes doesn't hit five threes then you have a chance Fox and Sabonis have a great two-man game but we've shown that we can defend any team that's going to roll out there we might not score but we can defend and so if we can slow them down, um, then it'll be a really a, need a big Jaron night with the Kings because they don't have anybody who can guard them. Right. Um, but exactly. I will say this bonus tends to be very tends to get a lot of rebounds against us. So that's another thing to kind of look at, too, um, for sure. I mean, I will say, I mean, part of it is, you know, again, it was two weeks since we did our last week then. But I mean, uh, you know, you predicted two and eight. I predicted three and seven. We already have three wins. And that's so right. there is a sense for us that uh and, you know obviously we'd love to win more but you know everything else is gravy in this 10 game stretch we were expecting us to really struggle and so we're, the fact that we already have three wins is really cool yeah that's so a great hopefully, note hopefully we can add that to that 100 percent uh and notably the schedule in the last week has been a bit lighter and so it's just this is the this is the reality of the nba you're going to have a lighter week but then it's going to be pretty tough gladder it's all at home though we get to see some yeah. Some fun matchups overall. So, um, any final thoughts before we before we head out? Nope. So, ready for my MVP pick? That's probably been year, been weeks in the making. I think. Yep. Who you got? Uh, my. So you said it earlier. Uh, we raved about it. The number one takeaway. Um, anybody who on de- on like at all decent usage who has an over a hundred percent true shooting percentage has to be my MVP. Um, you know, I think Jaron's had a great week being kind of our 
number one option, our best player on the floor. But he's he's had some stinkers, even though he played some good defense and did other things to help us win. But but Vince Williams has just been incredible. Uh, I think these last two weeks, um, seemingly putting up double doubles, um, you know, making the plays that he needs to make, guarding the best guy uh, on the perimeter. Uh, I just, I mean, he's been he. I, I haven't given him MVP yet, so it's my time to give Vince Williams MVP. And I feel like he has been the MVP the last two weeks. Could agree more. He gets the second MVP in a row for me. So congratulations, Vince. Just one contract, two weekend MVPs. Congrats. Well, this has been another edition yep. of the Weekend Update. We appreciate you joining us. We are looking forward to the rest of the season, which is, you know, we've already hit the halfway point. Before we know it, after the trade deadline, All-Star Weekend is going to be here. And then we're looking at, you know, about less than 30 games left so enjoy grizzlies basketball even though it's a a weird version enjoy it while you can you're going to be wishing it was back you know in the dog days of july and august so keep watching keep listening we will be in your feeds weekly moving forward so we appreciate it and uh for craft i'm will thanks for joining us we will talk to you next week then